We're all good? Sounds good. Not too much feedback. All right, well, welcome to today's service, and welcome. It's great to see so many people in the hall this morning. Um, as I begin, I want to do a bit of a quick poll um, around in the room, and maybe for those who are listening online or listening at home, you can join in as well. How many of you turned 19 or is turning 19 years old this year? No one. <laughs> All right, let's try something else. How many people are turning 31 this year or have turned 31? Well, yeah, got a couple. Yeah, good. How about 43? No, it's no one's middle age, apparently. 55? Hey! What about 67? Wow, there you go. This is excellent. All right. I don't think there's anyone who's going to be 79 this year who's in this room. No. Okay, that's good. Well, for all of you who answered yes, there's all something common between all of us. We're all born in the year of the sheep. If you have any sort of Asian background, you probably would have heard of the 12 zodiac animals. And every year, it's associated to a particular animal. And so if you're privileged, like me and some of these people here, born in 1967, 1979, 1991, 2003, or maybe 2015, then you are in the year of the sheep. Now, of all of the animals that you could be assigned, I feel like a sheep isn't the worst of the lot. You know, if you look at the whole list, there's quite a few different ones. I mean, you could have been born in the year of the dragon, or the year of the tiger, which sounds pretty cool. Um, but you also could maybe be a bit unfortunate and be born in the year of the chicken, or maybe the year of the rat. You know, it's kind of weird, right, to be associated with an animal. I mean, if you're characterized by an animal, you tend to have these thoughts. You make these connections when someone says, oh, you're a chicken or you're a rat. Maybe if you say, oh, man, this guy's like a dragon or a tiger. You're like, wow, that's really cool. But yeah, if you get called, man, you're such a chicken, then mm, it's, it's not really a good connotation. I feel like when you're a sheep, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Because sometimes people are like, oh, yeah, sheep, they're, they're really calm and they're really quiet and they're peaceful. So that's like, oh, that's really nice for you to say that about me. But then they might be, oh, but also, aren't sheep a bit stupid? And you're like, oh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but you know what? It's not just zodiacs or you know, superstition that assigns animal to people. It turns out that Jesus, in the scripture that we read today, he also talks about people as if they were animals. And so today, Jesus says that I am the good shepherd. And of course, shepherds look after sheep. And so we have this idea that when Jesus is talking about sheep, he's talking about people. So just for today, I invite you guys all to be sheep, all to be, even if you're not born in the year of the sheep, to be sheep so that we can consider what it means for Jesus to be the good shepherd. So we've been going through this series and Jesus has made all these statements. He said, I am this or I am that. We started off with Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. And that means that he is the one who gives us eternal satisfaction. 
Then Jesus said, I am the light of the world, the one who shines light in darkness. A couple of weeks ago, we just heard that Jesus said, I am the gate. And we learned that we enter into God's presence through Jesus because he is the gate. And today we look at Jesus as he says, I am the good shepherd. We're going to see that Jesus, the good shepherd, protects and preserves his flock. So let's dig a little bit deeper into this idea of us being sheep and Jesus being the good shepherd. You know, Jesus was very strategic when he used this analogy. He had a lot of ideas and thoughts that he wanted to present when he said that I am the good shepherd. But he's not actually the first person to use the analogy that people are sheep, because the Bible is full of examples of where people are characterized by sheep. Jesus, when he was talking to the people as it was written in the Bible, he was talking to primarily Israelites. And it turns out that the nation of Israel, for the longest time, they were all very, uh, very well-versed in sheep mainly because they were shepherds. I mean, you can turn all the way back to the start of the Bible, and when you go all the way to the back and you start at Abraham, perhaps when people say the start of God's nation, the start of the Israelites, it turns out he was a shepherd by trade. You look down through the, through the genealogy, through his family, and you find that his daughter-in-law, Rachel, was a shepherdess. As they go down a few more generations, you'll find that Abraham's grandson, Jacob, he was a shepherd as well. And even as their whole family moved from place to place, even as they settled in Egypt, they brought their flock along. And so this family business of sheep not only went from Abraham's family, but as this family turned into a whole nation, the nation of Israel, they all knew about sheep. This extended all the way through to even King David, one of the greatest kings of Israel. He also started from humble beginnings, a shepherd. And so this idea of people being shepherds, they should know their sheep. And so when you use an analogy like sheep, they should understand. It reminds me of a workmate that I have, and she's Italian and what I've learned is that most, if not all, Italian families always have a nonna. And it turns out that Italian nonnas know pasta sauce. They always have a secret recipe, and it's all about the tomatoes. If you talk to an Italian family, you'll find that every year they know how to grow tomatoes, they know how to harvest them, they know how to crush tomatoes, they know how to preserve a whole shed full of tomato sauce. And so if you ever want to explain anything to an Italian, if you use the analogy, it's just like tomatoes, then they'll be like, oh, yeah, of course. Of course, I understand. You know, Israelites are the same. At that time, they were all shepherds. So if you talk to them about sheep, that's how you explain things to them. And that's why so often in Scripture, this Scripture about the Israelites, given to the Israelites at that time, there are so many times when it talks about sheep. Now, I'm just going to have a guess. I don't think anyone in this room has shepherd as their primary occupation. I don't think so. No? It's not mine either. I feel like the closest that I get to sheep is probably when I smell the sheep as I'm driving past big trucks, um, or even if I'm at the show and I sort of walk past the wool shed. And then the next closest I get is probably when I get uh, lamb chops cooking in my oven. 
But for us to understand Jesus as the shepherd, we need to understand why we are sheep. And so even though none of us are shepherds, we don't have first-hand experience of what sheep are like, but we do live in the 21st century, and we do have the power of the internet. And so when I wanted to know more about sheep, I went to Google, and I thought back to myself, and last year in 2021, in the midst of COVID, there was one video that I came across, a video that I feel like sort of turned into a meme at one stage. It went a bit viral, but I think it really illustrates the character of a sheep. And I went to great lengths to dig it up, um, and I think I found it. And so it's, uh, the background audio is not great, but we're going to watch it just to give you an idea of what a sheep is like. So I might get them to play it for us. <laughs> first time I watched that, I giggled a lot. And then the second time I watched it, I laughed again. And then when I saw memes being made of it, I kept on laughing and laughing and laughing. I loved it. I put a smile on my face every time I watched it until I remembered I was born in the year of the sheep. <laughs> what do you guys think when you see that video of a sheep? What kind of things do you think about when you see that? I feel like no matter how much you talk up sheep, it seems that they're really not that amazing. Let's be honest, when you're labelled a sheep, you're timid. Maybe you're a bit airheaded. You're a follower. You have no defence mechanism. You can't do anything yourself. Yet even in the Bible, in the Gospel according to Matthew, it says that Jesus saw the crowds and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep are defenseless. You know, you look at lions and you look at tigers and you're like, wow, they're predators. They have such, you know, they have, they're so strong and they have weapons. They can, they can feed on prey. And then you look at sheep and you're like, oh, that's the prey that the lions chase. Sheep have no defense mechanism. They can't protect themselves. And that is why sheep need a shepherd. And this is where Jesus comes from today. He says, I am the good shepherd because we are sheep and we need a shepherd. When Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, I want you guys to notice a couple of things just in this little statement. Because Jesus doesn't say, I am a shepherd. He says that he is a good shepherd. And when he says that, it implies that actually there might be bad shepherds around. And then he also doesn't just say that I am a good shepherd. He says that I am the good shepherd. And so when he is saying this, he's laying claim to say that there are good shepherds and there are bad shepherds, but actually there's only one good shepherd, and that is me. Because Jesus, the good shepherd, is the only shepherd that protects and preserves his flock. And in our passage today, we see that there are actually other things that we as sheep need to look out for. 
Jesus talks about him as a good shepherd, but he also talks about things that we need to be wary of. And there's two things that I want to go through today. One is that there are false shepherds out there, and then there are also hired hands. Let me read to you verse 1 again. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. Further on in verse 10, he says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, and yet I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus, at this time, when he was talking to the people, when he was talking to the crowds, he was talking about false teachers, those who were trying to lead these people astray. Back then, the majority of people were not educated. They didn't have the chance to go to school and to go to university and get degrees. And so when they learn, they would listen to all of these religious teachers that would be speaking in the day. But Jesus is saying that not all these religious teachers are made the same. These religious teachers, they were supposed to be guides. They were supposed to be shepherds. But really, they're thieves. Instead of protecting and preserving the sheep, they were out there to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I feel like even though today, in the 21st century, where we are so blessed, especially for those who are in Australia, we all have the chance for an education. But still, and to a certain point, we all are hungry for information. We're all hungry to learn. We all have a natural tendency to look for something to learn, to grow, to follow. We start at school and we learn what our teachers tell us. We go to find a tutor and we follow what they say. If you want to learn a musical instrument, you go and get a music teacher and you follow what they do. When you learn to drive, you get a driving instructor and you copy what they do. When you get a part-time job, you get trained by a staff member and you do what they do as well. When we become adults and we realize we have to manage our finances, we go out and get a copy of The Barefoot Investor and we follow what the book says. And then when it comes to spirituality, when it comes to our soul, we often get to a point in our life where we go, I need to follow something. I need to have some sort of values. I need to learn. But this is where Jesus warns us today. He says, don't follow just anyone or anything, because not all guides and shepherds are for our good. In fact, so many of these false shepherds are out there. They're trying to get our attention. They're trying to get us to follow them, but they're not out there to protect us. They're not out there to preserve us. Instead, they're out to steal, to kill, and to destroy in verse 1, it says that these thieves and robbers, they don't come in through the gate. They sneak in. They climb in from some other way. They climb in through the window, and they come in when we least expect it. False shepherds, they climb into our lives, and they promise protection, but instead, they offer destruction. Today, Things like Feng Shui will say that we should design our certain house in a certain way to protect ourselves from evil spirits. Financial advisors will tell us to get into the investment market because that's where you need to start building your nest egg. Gym and health companies will tell you, eat our products, join our programs, so that you will be able to live a long life. 
But ultimately, these things are not there to fight for us. These things aren't there to protect and preserve us. They're out there to make money for themselves. They're out there for, sh- for selfish gain. They're out there to get followers to boost their own product. Where do you look for help and support in life? Do you look for it in earthly things and in doing so, allowing these people coming in through the window to rob, to steal, to kill? Well, it's tricky because in our today's age, you can just go onto Google and say, how do I manage my finances? And you get 15 million different results. How do you know whether someone is a thief or a robber or whether they are a good shepherd? Let me read to you verses three to five. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep Follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus says that the sheep who belong to him will know his voice and that they'll run away from strangers. And so then the question becomes, How do we know Jesus' voice? Well, we spend time in his word. We take the opportunity to read the Bible. We need to know what Jesus says if we want to recognize his voice. We need to spend time with like-minded people. We need to spend time with other Christians to understand what God is trying to say to us. This is what it means to know Jesus' voice. Do you know Jesus' voice? Can you say that you're able to discern the good shepherd's voice from the false shepherd's voice in this world? So the first thing that Jesus warns us to be careful about is false shepherds. And then the second thing that he warns about is in verses 12 to 13. Let me read it out to you. In verse 12, it says, The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and he runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. How many of you have jobs where you get a work laptop or you get a work phone? something that you get to just borrow and you get to use on your day-to-day. I see a few people nodding their heads. For my work, they give me a laptop, and so sometimes you might see me walking around and I'll have two, two laptops, um, one for my personal stuff and one for my work stuff. And if you ever actually tried to inspect these two laptops, you'd instantly be able to tell which one is my own and which one belongs to work. You can even just ask, Rach, I'm quite OCD when it comes to my own personal laptop. You're not allowed to eat or drink near it. If you're gonna eat snacks, especially chips, after you've eaten your chips, you gotta wash your hands so you don't get grease on the keyboards. In fact, if preferable, if you're going to have to eat chips, use chopsticks so your fingers don't get dirty. (laughs) Don't touch the screen, ever. It should never be touched by fingers. And whenever you pick it up and put it down, you have to put it down gently. But then when I'm at work, 
hot chips for lunch, I've got greasy hands, I'm typing away, I'm poking at my screen, there's fingerprint smudges all over my screen. I treat my work laptop very differently to my personal one because in the end, my work laptop's not mine. If it breaks, that's okay. Work will replace it and they'll give me a new one. If I'm walking across a railway crossing and I drop my work laptop bag, there's no way that I'm going to go back and get it if a train's coming. I'll just get a new one on Monday. But if it was my personal laptop, you bet I would be there diving to save my own laptop. You know, when things aren't ours, we tend to not treat it with the same respect or with the same kind of love. And this is what Jesus is saying about these hired hands. Because as sheep, there will be people out there who come to us as shepherds, but they are not good shepherds. They're simply hired hands. They simply don't care. At the first sign of danger, they're out. And this is not a good shepherd. And this is why Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Let me read to you verse 11 again. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus, the good shepherd, protects and preserves his flock. But what else does a good shepherd actually do? We've said that Jesus is the good shepherd. What, what is a good shepherd supposed to do? Well, there's actually a psalm in the Bible that very succinctly describes what a good shepherd does, and it's Psalm 23. I'm not going to read the whole thing out, but I'm just going to read a little bit, a couple of things, because I want to draw your attention to what a good shepherd is supposed to do. So if you do have your Bibles, um, feel free to turn to Psalm 23. I'm going to read to you the first few verses, and it says, "'The Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing.'" He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. A good shepherd gives us rest. In a world where we are constantly busy, where we are trying to juggle work, juggle paying off a mortgage, juggling family, juggling friends, juggling family, a good shepherd doesn't give us more things to worry about but instead a good shepherd gives us rest. In the second half of verse 3, it says that the Lord is my shepherd. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. A good shepherd guides. Again, for so many of us where we go through this world where there are so many pieces of information coming in, what should we believe in? What's right? What's wrong? A good shepherd guides us so that we can know what is right and wrong. A good shepherd doesn't say, you can say whatever is right or wrong. You can go outside if you want to be in danger. You can come inside if you want to. The good shepherd guides so that we know what's right and wrong. And then verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Those who grew up in the 90s might recognize this line from late rappers Coolio's Gangster's Paradise. You know, every time I read this verse, it makes me think of that song. But then when you actually look at what Coolio wrote, he says, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's not 
much left. Compare that to what we read in Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When we have a good shepherd, he protects us. He gives us life to the full. These are the kinds of things that a good shepherd does. A good shepherd gives us rest, gives us guidance, gives us protection. Jesus, the good shepherd, protects and preserves his flock. But apart from all of these things that a good shepherd does, Jesus' words in verse 11 and again in verse 14 is the single most important thing that the good shepherd does. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And again in verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus, the good shepherd, lays down his life for his sheep. You know, normally, if a shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, it's actually not a good result. You've seen how sheep are when they don't have a shepherd. And so if a shepherd actually dies, there's really not much left for the sheep. They don't really survive that long because without a shepherd, they're probably just going to jump into a ditch again and there's not much left for them. But Jesus, as the good shepherd, when he died on the cross, when he laid down his life for his sheep, it didn't actually resign us to death. Instead, it brought us life. Jesus, the good shepherd, laid down his life so that we, his sheep, could have new life. And Jesus did it because he loves us. He cares for me. He cares for you. He cares for all of us so deeply. He owns us, and that is why he would lay down his life for us. He's not like the hired hand who has no attachment. He's not like this work laptop, which I'm just going to chuck out because I'm just going to get a new one. Jesus loves us. He cares for us so intimately. He knows each and every one of us. He knows how we are different, each one of us, and yet he loves us all the same. He loves us so much that he would give up his own life so that we can live. This is how the good shepherd protects and how he preserves. It's not half-hearted. It's fully committed. Is this not someone that you would want to follow and have protect you? Well, Jesus says that I am the good shepherd. But what does that mean for us today? For those of you who have accepted Jesus as their good shepherd, you do get everything that Jesus has claimed. You will find rest in Jesus as he protects you. You will find guidance in your life as he guides you along. You will receive protection and preservation in all of your life. But what about those who are not in Jesus' flock? Let me read to you what Jesus says in verse 16. Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus is not yet done 
Jesus has a flock right now, but he's not yet done. And this is where I want to finish for today. Because if you are someone who is already in Jesus' flock, if you are someone who has received life through Jesus, then let me challenge you. Who do you know that is not yet in Jesus' flock? What will you do this week to point them towards Jesus, the good shepherd who protects and preserves? Will you pray for them? Will you tell them about who Jesus is and how he is the good shepherd? And then for those of you who perhaps are sitting here right now, maybe listening or watching online, if you don't feel like you are yet in Jesus' flock, if you don't call Jesus your shepherd right now, let me challenge you as well. Make the decision to follow the good shepherd because only Jesus will protect and preserve you. Through all of life's battles, through all of life's challenges and struggles, only Jesus will protect and preserve you. Talk to someone. Feel free to talk to myself, talk to someone uh, that you know. But whatever you do, don't leave it because Jesus has warned us in our passage today. He's warned us that there are false shepherds out there, those who are waiting to sneak in, those who are waiting to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Don't let that be you. Jesus, the good shepherd, protects and preserves his flock. Will you be a part of his flock today? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, so, so much for your son, Jesus. We thank you that he calls himself the good shepherd because he protects and he preserves his flock. Father, we thank you that you've given us this opportunity to open up your word and to learn that Jesus loves us. He's not a hired hand. He's not out there for his selfish gain, but he is there for us to the point where he will lay down his life for us. And so, God, I pray that even as we walk out, even as we ponder the words that you've given to us today, that you would challenge us that if we are already in your flock, that you would help us to see who else that Jesus needs to call. And for those who have not made that decision yet, Lord, I pray that you would prompt them, that they would take this opportunity to know who the Good Shepherd is and to say, yes, I want to follow, I want to be led, I want to be guided, I want to find rest through the Good Shepherd. Thank you, and we pray all these things in your name. Amen.